What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of How Not to Be a Youth Pastor. We are back, Kyle and Derek, talking every single day about how not to be youth pastors. Kyle, how are you? I'm great, Derek. How are you? It's not important. Why are, <laughs> why are you great? Because uh, for those who have been following along and are, are faithful, loyal, religious listeners, you may have noticed... We've been on a miniature hiatus, and it's for a very good reason. So, Kyle, why don't you just, you know, maybe fill us in as to what's been happening in your life? A little life there, update. There's anything, you know, significant that's happened recently, and just kind of get us caught up. Yeah, so we are uh, new parents. Come on! Um, our yes. our daughter, uh, Willa Nicole, was, uh, was born uh, right at the end of January there, so... Uh, taking, taking some time off to, uh, to just adjust and, and be a new family. It's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. How have the cats adjusted? Uh, so one cat could, doesn't really care. Sure. Um, he just is kind of like, yeah, whatever. The other cat, uh, she will come. Well, so she has always been like very, she is, I think she was born to be an emotional therapy cat. Yep. Like she is very in tune with people's emotions. If you're crying on the couch, she will come and lay next to you. Uh, even if like she will diagnose medical problems before you know you have them. Like it is, it is impressive uh, wh- how in tune this cat is. And so, like if our daughter's crying, uh, she will like you know peek her head around the corner or like you know come and like sniff around her head. Like, hey, how can I help? Uh, she can't because she's a cat, but uh, it it's kind of impressive. Well, and yeah, I feel like cats like always just kind of just have a sense as to what's going on a little bit. Like yeah. our, our cats were always in the nursery every single chance mm-hmm. they got with both of our. Well, kids. it'll be interesting because like we're still in the phase where you know obviously she's you know sleeping in the same room that we are, uh, but our cat's two favorite nap spots right now. <laughs> are on the changing table in the nursery and on the rocking chair in the nursery. And so, you know, she gets older and starts taking a nap in the nursery and we close the door, the cats are going to maybe have to find a new place to sleep. But that's okay. They'll figure it out. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I remember vividly, um, we got told when we were a parent or when Meg was pregnant with our first we were told by an individual who had a very legitimate reason, but we had had cats at the time. And after we told them we were pregnant, they're like, are you getting rid of your cats? And we're like, no. Why, um, why would we do that? And they went on to tell us that early on in their career, they were a paramedic and their first call was a infant who had been suffocated by a cat. Nice. And I'm like, okay, First of all, insanely depressing. Second of all, seems like a bit of a freak accident. And so... um, You're missing one. Third of all, thanks for that. (laughs) Thank you. There are are bits of information that do not need to be shared. And and that was kind of one of those things we realized where it's like, totally get where you're coming from and incredibly bummed that you had to experience that. However, um, like that's just... Not something I want to receive in my life right now. <laughs> so yeah, I I'm gonna if it's all right with you, Derek, I'm gonna step onto my metaphorical soapbox here for a Please second. Please do, uh, because this this is there's something that's been a theme in my life over the last you know six months to a year, and it has really really uh, manifested itself in the last three weeks. Uh, you know, now that, uh, you know, we have our daughter, she's here, uh, w- you know, everybody wants to come over, but not to see me. They don't care about me. Uh, they've which never is cared about you. I'm fair. sorry. That's fair. Uh, it's, it's funny, but, um, I, I want to take a moment to encourage our listeners to think a little bit differently about the words that they use. And this is primarily going to go out to our uh, Boomer and Gen X listeners because I see this... Actually, it's just because millennials and definitely Gen Z just aren't old enough yet. Yeah. But when you get engaged, one of the first questions you get 
if not the first question is, oh, when's the wedding? Yep. Right? Like you could have been engaged for like 12 seconds and somebody's going to ask, oh, when's the wedding? Uh, you know, you guys are in love. It's great. And, and the old cantankerous, there's a vocab word of the day person. Before you continue, can I ask you a really just random question? When are you having a second kid? Hmm. Yeah, there it is. (laughs) Um, you know, the old cantankerous person comes along and the theme of all of these questions gets summarized with just wait. Mm. Yo, you guys are so in love. Oh, just wait until the honeymoon period's over. Totally thought you were going somewhere right? different with this. Just but. wait until, well, there's a couple different ways I could go with this. Okay. Just wait until this. Just wait until that. Over the last three weeks, I have heard so many people tell me like, Hey, how's being a father? Oh, it's great. Yeah. Just wait until the, you know, the lack of sleep compounds, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, say goodbye to sleep for the rest of your life. I could not care less about that conversation. As soon as you say that to me, I immediately check out of the conversation, not because I don't value you as a person, but because like, yes, I understood when I was having a kid that having sleep was going to be more of a luxury and less of a guarantee. I understand that that's how that works. Let's just like celebrate life and like think that my kid is cute. Why do we always have to go to the negative stuff? Why do we always have to assume that the couple that got married is going to lose love for each other once the honeymoon period is over? Just because it happened to you doesn't mean it happens to them. And so my encouragement to, and and this is why, especially for our older listeners, I say this, because most of the time, the younger generations just haven't gotten to the point in their life where they are saying this to someone younger than them. But uh, yeah, like this is a weird tangent to go on on our podcast here today, but I just want to encourage people, like, just be freaking positive for a little bit. It's it's okay. We understand that sleep is, you know, going to be something that's hard to come by. When you're a new couple getting married, we understand that, you know, like, yeah, life is going to happen and it's not all going to always be roses. That doesn't mean that you have to rain on everybody's parade because you didn't experience what you wanted to. Well, it, it bothers me too, because it pulls you out of the present moment. You know, like it's, it's one of those things. Yeah. You're not sleeping well, but who cares? You're having, like, you're yeah. having a great time. You just had a life defining moment. And my, my wife, she is absolutely amazing. One of my favorite times, uh, someone was telling her exactly what you're saying. Cause they had a kid who was a few years older than ours. Just wait until this. Just and it was the whole way through. Just wait until that sleep compounds. Oh, just wait till they start teething. Oh, just wait until you know you start potty training. Oh, just wait until they hit the terrible twos. And by time our oldest son Ellis, our oldest son Ellis, uh, was three, this same person that said, "Oh, just wait until he's done being three. And my wife looks at this person and goes, "Yeah, we're still waiting." Like we're still waiting for all the bad things that you just said. We're still waiting for them to happen because frankly, they're not. And our whole thing is, yeah, okay, there are some negative things, but what are you choosing to fixate on? Like you I'm sure Kyle, you're not sleeping like you used to, you know, 4 weeks ago. But I also would probably be very confident in the sense of I don't think you care. No, and that's where like, you know, the other angle that we could have gone with this was, you know, oh, like just, you know, when's, when's the, when's the wedding? Oh, when are you guys going to have a kid? Oh, when are you going to have your second kid? Yep. Uh, oh, are, are you guys done now? Yep. Uh, when are you going to have your third kid? All, all those questions, like just, it's okay to just be present and yeah. be excited for what is and not always just have to be worrying about what comes next. Yeah. And, uh, I, it's, I think it's a sign of, it's a show. It's a way you can respect people. By, by like, just be excited because that's the other thing too. Uh, I once, I, th- I think this might've been, <clears throat> excuse me. I think this might've been a class in college where, uh, we had to like, you know, go about your everyday life for a week 
and take note of how many times you're in a conversation with somebody. And Derek, you know, Derek shares a story with me about, uh, I don't know. His turtles. Turtles. Sure. Uh, no, like your cat or your dog would be a better example. Uh, you know, like, oh, like my dog did this. And then I immediately respond with, oh yeah, like I had a dog when I was growing up and you know, it did something else. And, and typically it's a one-up. Typically it's, you know, I'm, I'm sharing something that is even more impressive than what you said. And that's kind of where a lot of this stems from, uh, is, is instead of our desire to ask questions and dive into what they said, we just want to one-up them and, and, you know, share a story that's even more important because it makes us feel better Mm -hmm. instead of like, like it's almost a way to serve somebody in a conversation. Yeah. But anyways, that is not at all what we were going to be talking about today. But we had to somehow fill the first 10 minutes of this podcast. What else would we do? Just with, jump right into content? <laughs> with nonsense. Uh, it's so, not our style. No, yeah, absolutely not our style. So today's episode, uh, we are going to have uh, just a kind of some fun conversation here. Derek and I, uh, you know, I, I always tell our youth leaders that uh, I never want our adult leaders to be the ceiling uh, for our youth ministry. Mm. Uh, you know, when, when our youth leaders, like, like if, if God can only take our youth ministry so far because our youth leaders, uh, are capped, uh, with, with the ceiling of their, you know, spiritual growth, that's a problem. And so if we are always growing as youth leaders, that's, that's a huge win. And books are an incredible way to do that. Yeah. And so we wanted to kind of just take an episode. We reference books from time to time that we, that we love, that we've read, but we just wanted to take an episode and kind of dedicate it to like, Hey, here are just lists of books that we have read that, that we can recommend. Um, and Derek, I think that you had one that, uh, that I want to start off with that, uh, this was the one that, you know, maybe we would recommend above all others for, for, you know, people that want to get better at youth ministry. Yeah. Uh, pastoring for dummies is I think is what you put <laughs> under my list. Uh, Kyle had beat me to the, to the show doc here and he had a bunch of books listed and he had my name and then he had pastoring for dummies. Um, isn't that like basically the one book you read before you became a pastor? I'm still reading it. I don't know how to read. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. No, in all seriousness, uh, you know, something that Kyle and I will both stand behind is that, uh, let's call this supplemental reading, uh, these leadership books, any other book for that matter, it should not take the place of your devotion to reading scripture and getting into the word, uh, because that really is absolute truth. And, um, you know, I call it supplemental, probably complimentary would be even better because there are a lot of books that really do kind of spur you on to getting into the Bible. But um, I feel like it's an important caveat to make uh, that when it comes to reading books, like we need to be diligent in being into the word. And I'm not just talking about like, you know, hey, we're going to read the verse of the day. Like all that stuff is great, but there's something powerful that happens when you just start to take the Bible and read it chunk by chunk and really let the Lord speak to you uh, through the truth that he gives. And so uh, while that is probably a given and something that a lot of our listeners would agree with, I think it is just pertinent to acknowledge that while we're about to dive into books, uh, that needs to come first. And here's what I will say before we really, really jump into this. I know I, uh, I'm just going to be really, really funny, but also transparent here. My wife is a reader like by nature. She's the kind of person that literally, I kid you not, I think she's read like seven or eight books already this year. Um, like she'll take a 400 page book and smash it in two days. Uh, and I am not like, I'm the kind of guy that reads like a book or two a year. At least that was my, my mantra. And because I always told myself, like, I'm not a reader. I don't like reading. And something kind of convicted me this year of like, that might be true, but that can't be an excuse to not better yourself. You know, that's kind of like, I don't like eating healthy, so I'm just going to eat McDonald's every day. Like, okay, there's legitimacy to that, but you also need to kind of push through that discomfort if you truly want to better yourself and grow. So what I have done is I have 
kind of taken this upon myself to really dive into reading this year, but I'm not like going after it. I'm not being unrealistic. Uh, what I have is I have a certain amount of books that I want to read by the end of the year. And it's like more than I've ever read in one year before, but it's also not like unrealistic to where it's like I have to smash two or three books a month. Like it's very tangible, very doable, but at the same time, it does stretch me to stay accountable and to really dig into reading. So I just want to make that important distinction because I think a lot of our listeners out there will go, I'm just not a reader. And like, again, I'm with you. I, I haven't felt like I was a reader, but I've really started to find the joy and power of really bettering yourself when it comes to reading. Well, and get creative with it too. Uh, fun stat of the day is that 19, no, 20% of, of all book sales last year were audiobooks. So like if, if reading is not your thing, but you like listening and, and you can take in and, and process information, uh, you know, by listening to it, that is, uh, an excellent method. And so yeah. like invest in some audiobooks and, and just listen to them instead of reading them. Uh, do you think that there is a market for the two of us recording us reading books and, and selling Do you think that we could maybe make a little bit of a side business off of that or? Uh, no, not in the slightest. Well, that's a bummer. Probably. I don't even know if it's because there's no market. It's just, we clearly don't know how to market ourselves as this still does not generate any income for us. 66 episodes in. I think technically it costs us money. <laughs> it does. Yes. We, we pay a yearly subscription to a service to put our, episodes up on the interwebs yeah. uh, to different platforms, uh, which is necessary. Uh, and we bring in no income. So it, this uh, costs us about a hundred dollars a year, not including startup costs of, of equipment and stuff, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. Me too. Uh, I'd choose somebody different, but I would do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. We're back. <laughs> We're back, baby. Uh, okay. So uh, let's just kind of start throwing it back and forth. These are not going to be in any order. Uh, but, uh, I'm just gonna like, we'll, we'll kind of talk about, Hey, here's, here's a book and, and here's maybe why we read it or, or give a little bit of what it's about. Uh, and, uh, the other thing we're definitely not going to do is tell you all like, Hey, this is how much it retails for on Amazon. Not because we don't care about your ease of purchase, but because we just didn't care enough to look up all that information. Very accurate. Uh, so, okay. Um, first one, uh, and, and again, these are not in order, uh, but, but this was a really good book that I read. It's, it's, it was called what if Jesus was serious? And I regret putting this one first cause I'm probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this author's name. Uh, I would pronounce it sky Jathani, uh, but you know, who knows? Um, it's S K Y E. Maybe it's sky. Uh, think, please please pronounce it that way. Sky, sky, <laughs> uh, sky, Jathani. Uh, but this was, this was a really, really good book. Uh, it was short, uh, and, uh, very challenging. Uh, kind of taking a look at, I mean, it, it's kind of in the title, but you know, what would it look like if we actually practiced Jesus's words and didn't just talk about them, wow. you know, and, and the whole book, uh, kind of goes through the sermon on the Mount and each chat, this is the other reason that this is a really easy book to read. Each chapter is like two or three pages long, maximum. Mm -hmm. uh, and if I remember correctly, it had some illustrations too, which always, you know, makes it fun. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was a great book. I, I seriously can't get past how you said Sky. Sky. Yes, that was impressive. Um, okay. I'm going to start with probably my all time favorite book. I've actually read this one multiple times over in different seasons of life because it really is that good. It's called Matthew. Yeah. <laughs> it is good to have you back and you are sharp as a whip. Yeah. We, who we, am I kidding? You haven't read Matthew twice. If there's a book of the Bible you've read twice, it's like Jude hey, or third John. Not very nice. I have read Matthew more than once. Matthew is a fun one to read more it than is. once. Leviticus is not a fun one to read more than no. once. <laughs> and as long as you get past Matthew, past Matthew chapter one, you're golden. That's yeah. accurate. Another real quick, while we're talking about the pronunciation of names, when you guys are reading the book, this is a pro college level tip. All right. When you are reading the Bible and you come across a name that you are not confident on how to pronounce it, if you say it, 
confidently and quickly and just continue <laughs> on with the sentence, people will take you seriously. No one will question you. I feel like I do that whenever I'm preaching and I hit like these really obscure names. I just like, I throw it on there almost like, almost with like a Spanish accent to some degree. Like, it's got a little bit of zing to it. <laughs> That's interesting, especially because they all spoke Greek or Hebrew. I know, but but my point is, like, I I just feel like I try to make it up as best as I can. I feel like if you are preaching, you probably should have taken a little bit of time that week to look up the actual well, pronunciation. And, that, and that's what I started doing. I started, you know. But uh, yeah, like if you're, you know, like oh, you're at Bible study and it's yeah. your turn to read and you know, you're reading in Matthew chapter one and it's yep. Jesus's genealogy and there's all these names I can't pronounce. Confidence is key. Exactly. Anyways. Can I continue now, please? Yes, this okay. book you've read twice that you loved. More than really twice. Loved. Oh, more than twice. Um, I've read it a few, t- like probably three times. But That is more than twice. It is. It's called Leading on Empty by Wayne Cordero. Uh, and it, it's written from a pastor and teacher to pastors and teachers. Uh, all about uh, burnout really is what it comes down to. And he, he kind of just walks through his journey of burnout and how for him, what led up to it, what it felt like, how he knew he was in the middle of burnout. And I think most importantly, how he got out of it and how he really grew from it. And so um, it's very, very, uh, it's one of those books that kind of makes you feel seen and understood, but it also has a lot of really good practical applications as to if you are in a season of burnout or just feeling exhausted or worn down by the demands of ministry, it has so many good insights as to how you can climb out of that hole and grow as a result. I like it. Uh, so this is obviously a podcast. So people are just listening to this. They can't look at the names of the authors. I don't know why I'm stuck on this. Do we need to phonetically say their names instead of maybe actually how they're pronounced so that people might have a shot at spelling it right into Google if they want to look up I mean, I feel like they could names. just take the take the title, but the, the title of the books, which are all very easy to pronounce and yeah. spell, those are probably and a very better idea. unique. Yeah. It's not like we're saying the book of life, then it could be four different book of lives. I don't know why I said the book <laughs> of life, but well, my next book is the Art of War by Sinatra. <laughs> <laughs> Because Christianity is a war and we need to take back our turf through any, no. Um, what's the, uh, Mao's little red book. That was the other uh-huh. one that came to my mind. Uh, no. Although this next book I believe is red. Uh, yeah, it's like kind of maroonish. Uh, at least the copy I have, uh, this next one on my list, uh, is called hero maker by Dave Ferguson, which is a very easy name to both spell and pronounce. Uh, but again, these people know how to market like hero maker. It's a book about making disciples. Like that is great branding and very to the point. But, uh, that, that was just a really, really cool book. Uh, kind of dove into, uh, Moses and, um, Jethro and that relationship a little bit. And, uh, I just, I, I really liked, uh, that book because as, as youth pastors, you know, ideally as your youth ministry grows, you know, if, if you, well, you walk in, you're a brand new youth pastor starting out at a maybe a brand new youth ministry. You got like four kids. That's awesome. Invest in those four kids, build relationships. At We've talked about this in the past, and we actually just did an episode on this a couple episodes ago. It feels like it was a long time. Yeah, right. <laughs> but no. uh, you, know, you have to invest uh, in adult leaders. You've got to be able to delegate some things. And uh, and make making disciples, not only for you, involves pouring into the students in your ministry, but sometimes, a lot of times, that also involves you pouring into the adult leaders that you have. So, Hero Maker by Dave Ferguson. I have looked at this book every time we record, and uh, because the O has a lightning bolt in it. I thought it was just a symbol. So I thought it was her maker. <laughs> and I yep. was like, I see that. What? Uh, but it's a, uh, her maker, a book on transgenderism in the United States. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's move on before we open a can of worms. That turns into a whole other episode. Oh, that was good though. That was funny. Yeah. It, it, that was impressive. I missed I, the podcast, man. Let me tell you. I didn't. <laughs> wow. I'm just kidding. Rude. Okay, book number two for me. Uh, this is a book I reference probably weekly, honestly, because it is one of those books that I read in college that I more or less was just like, let me just skim this sucker, write the book report and be done with it. But the more I read it, I was like, holy cow, this is good. And it's called 
Overcoming the Dark Side of Leadership by Gary McIntosh. And the whole premise of the book is that the very things that we as individuals that make us great at what we do is also the thing that will be uh, a hangup for us. So what I mean by that is, you know, one of the, the notable things about my personality I've learned is I'm a very driven person. Like when I put my mind to something, I throw everything I have at it like by fault. Um, and naturally it just helps me get things done. It, there's, there's a lot of positives you can probably conjure up about what it's like when you're driven. But the whole premise of the book is if I'm driven, that's a really, really good thing, right? But that drive can also be something that brings me down too. Cause like when you are driven, you're not seeing results that you want to see. You feel like a failure. You feel like you're not doing good enough. You feel like you need to push harder. And so that's the whole concept of the book. There's, there's way more I could get into at the, at the moment, but it's a really, really good book about like leveling up in your leadership by taking an, an intrinsic look into how you live and how you lead. I like it. All right. Next one on my list is, uh, this is, this is one that, uh, is a little bit of a heavier read, uh, lots and lots of research involved. Uh, but this one was recommended to me by an old, uh, professor in college and I regretted not reading it sooner. Uh, this one's called the coddling of the American mind by, uh, Greg Lukianoff and Jonathan Haidt. Uh, it is, it is such a phenomenal book. Have you read this one, Derek? Nope. I need to, uh, it's, it's, it's a, it covers, you know, like kind of where today's teenagers are at, uh, especially like emotionally and, uh, you know, mentally and, and, and kind of some of the, maybe their insecurities and why behind those, uh, some of the shortcomings in our culture, and why, like this book went into, uh, you know, they, they were talking about how in the eighties, uh, there were, it basically, it blamed a lot of the rightfully so blamed a lot of the current state of parenting on the person who had the idea to put missing kids on milk cartons. Interesting. Uh, because which, which, you know, great idea because, you know, we want to find these kids, but it basically kicked off a, a sense of fear, uh, in, in parents. And then that led to, uh, you know, like no longer can kids just, you know, run around in the neighborhood and you hear the bell and you come over for dinner and be home before the street light turns on kind of thing. Uh, you know, that threw all that out the window and all the kids that were parented that way hated it. So they grew up and went the complete opposite direction of like, yeah, like I don't really care. Uh, you know, then, then we, that we kind of got the free range parenting. And, and, and so it was, it, it just a super interesting uh, read on some of the cultural whys behind how the kind of where we're at. Uh, you know, from a parenting perspective, from a, you know, teenage mind perspective, uh, it was really good. I like it. I like it. Uh, a book, if you're looking to uh, try a different way to communicate a message or preach, uh, Communicating for a Change by Andy Stanley. Really, really good book. It really kind of outlines his whole philosophy is, um, I haven't listened to a bunch of his messages, but from what I do know about Andy Stanley, a lot of times, you know, it's not so much this way anymore, but it used to be your standard message is like that three point sermon, right? Like you have three zinger points and they all kind of, there's know. probably an alliteration. Yeah. Right. All those kind of things. Yep. Andy Stanley's whole philosophy in this book is find one point and just circle around it and have different ins and outs, but always come back to this one point. It's clear, it's concise, and it it gives you something tangible for people to walk away with because I feel like that's one of those things where you might have three really good points and they sound really cute and they sound really smooth and they make you sound really intelligent. But if your congregation members or your students in this case forget what you even mentioned two hours later, like what did we talk about at youth tonight? Uh, I don't know. Like then you're, it doesn't matter. Like if, if it sounded cool, great. But the whole purpose is for kids to go, okay, 
I, I remember this story. I remember this Bible story and here's what it meant for me. And by communicating that one point over and over again, you're more likely to do that. So, uh, just a different way to preach, uh, brings up a lot of good points. Highly recommend that book. I like it. Uh, my next one is going to be a book called ready, set, grow by get it. It's like ready, set, go. Oh, but, I didn't but get ready, that. set, grow. Wow. I like uh, that. It's by Scott Wilson, who I believe is a pastor down in Texas, uh, of a church down there or, or was, uh, at this point, but it's actually, it, so this book was really, it, it's about personal growth. And, uh, the summary of, of this book is it, basically it's him telling the story of what he did with the staff at his church. And so he felt, or he called them all in to a staff meeting one day and he's like, okay, listen, uh, here's the question. What is the, like, like how many people in our church, like what, it, what's the attendance number that we can sustain uh, as a, as a staff, as a, as structure, what's our attendance number that we can sustain? And, you know, they started throwing out different numbers. Like basically what had happened over the last few years is that, you know, they would, they'd be at, you know, 600 and they'd have like a big Easter service and it would balloon up toward, you know, 900, 950. Uh, and then it would kind of fall back down to 600 and then it would balloon back up to 950 and, and down to six, you know, down to 700, then up to 800, down to 600. And, and it went on for a few years to the point where he's like, okay, this is not working. And, and the staff was like, I think we could hit a thousand. Like, I really think we could hit 1200. And he's like, no, the correct answer is 600 because that's what our numbers keep coming back to from time to time. We, we do all of these fancy things, but then we come back to 600. Sure. And so he basically, he, he kind of talked about like, we need to grow as a staff if our church is going to grow. And so they, you know, did some things and, uh, you know, they, um, it's basic. I won't spoil the whole thing, but he, he did this like three year thing with his staff. And if you, if you did what he asked, then you got rewarded. If you didn't do what he asked, then like, like he had a thing you, you guys have to read. I think it was, uh, did they have to read 30, 52 books or 36 books or I think it was 36 books. Uh, you know, over the three course years of the year. or one year, no, one year, 36 okay. books in a year. It, it's like, or I don't remember what it was. Uh, 27. I don't remember what it was exactly, but, uh, you have to read this number of books and you have to listen to back in the day. It was like this many CDs. We'd call them podcast mm-hmm. episodes now. Uh, and so they had this thing. If you did it, then, you know, we're going to go out and have a fun day. If you fail, then you don't get to come with us. I think there was like a bonus, a financial bonus as well, if you did it. So you don't get that either. And when we come back from our fun day, you and I are going to have a meeting and you've got about five minutes to explain why you should still have a job here. Oh boy. I was like, oh, let's go. Uh And so like that immediately, I was like, this is awesome. And so it was like kind of talking about like, okay, he walks through kind of a narrative of this process, but then also gives some like, hey, here's what I would do differently if I did this process again. Uh, and so it just kind of tells the story of, of that with their church. But the point is, uh, you know, prioritizing personal growth, uh, that, uh, that is really, really important. I can literally feel my wallet shaking because I realize how many books of these I want to actually go out and purchase and buy, but <laughs> that's what, uh, you got to have like a church budget line for personal growth. We, we do. And it's, it's not, not as big as enough. <laughs> This is where I would ask you to read your books, but uh, Kyle runs his library tighter than your your twenty eight year old veteran librarian. Who uh, listen? All right, hold on. First of all, uh, one of the books on my list, that first one, "What If Jesus Was Serious," is currently out on loan to somebody, and I have no faith I'm going to get it back. Uh, <laughs> but you got to find better borrowers. That's all there I'm are two other books on this list that I went ahead and purchased because I lent them out to people and didn't get them back. One of the books, I lent it out to somebody. And then like a year later, I was like, hey, I need that book for something. Can I can I get it back from you? And they admitted to me not only that they had loaned my book out to a third party, 
Oh, boy. But that they didn't remember who they loaned it to. Oh, my god! So they had no way of getting it back. And I was like, all right, I might be done loaning out my books. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> and you can pay me $25 with interest. I think they should just, yeah, like, you can have the book. I you know, take 20 bucks from you and I'll just keep the 20 bucks and you can have it back when you give me the book back. Perfect. Maybe I should start doing that. Okay. I'm down. All right. All right. My turn. Um, on that same vein of personal growth, uh, I actually just finished this book a couple weeks ago. Phenomenal book. Probably going to be up there on my top three. Uh, it's called the ruthless elimination of hurry by John Mark Comer. And the whole premise of the book is how living in 2023, we are so stinking busy. And the thing is, it's not just like, okay, yeah, everyone's busy all the time. That's That hasn't changed a whole lot. But the thing is, now that we have smartphones, now that we have endless streaming services, we have all these things, even our quote unquote downtime is filled with busyness and noise and chaos and, and that kind of thing. So uh, John Mark Comer, I'm going I'm to mention him again a little bit later. Uh, he's got such a unique writing style that I really, really like. Um, he writes like we would talk. You know, it's, it's a really, really easy read from a comprehension standpoint. However, it's also very, very thorough. And so this book was just really, really good. It helped me to just really take a look at myself and go, where are these areas of life that I am hustling, that I'm rushing in and not... Uh, not like just slowing down and being present. And one of the biggest takeaways for me and my family that this book has brought on is he really dives into the Sabbath and really what the Sabbath is and is not. And uh, my family and I have implemented it for the last month or so. Uh, and because my kids don't understand the concept of Shabbat or Sabbath, uh, we call it the special day. So our special day is where we get to do, spend good time as a family. Uh, and I'm not getting into the details of it now here, but the point is um, my kids have started to love and look forward to the special day. And so uh, really, really practical book, really good book. Highly, highly recommend. I like it. All right. My next one. Uh, is uh, the book Something Needs to Change by David Platt. Uh, this one uh, came out of... Uh, da- he went to, I, be- I think it was like Nepal, uh, and did some hiking in uh, in the mountains and uh, visited different villages that were there, uh, kind of on a missionary journey. And it's the... His book is talking about the intersection of like, if you think about, you know, someone who would be on the receiving end of a mission trip or, or, you know, something like that, uh, there's a lot of times there is an incredible physical need that needs to be met, but there's also an incredible spiritual need that needs to be met. And while we know that the spiritual need is greater the window to hear that might not be open until the physical need is met. And so it was kind of a cool book, just exploring the balance uh, between, you know, meeting both of those needs uh, and, and helping the whole of the person. Kind of like how you don't want to tell people about Jesus while they're starving to death. One of those kind of things. Yep. Yeah. Super, super good. That's it. Why don't you, uh, while you're on David Platt, I want you to, I'm going to kind of piggyback here for mm-hmm. you. Why don't you talk about this other one? Cause I'm, I, I think you've read a few of his books, right? I think you're uh, two, but they both made it on the list. Yeah. So, yeah. So the other, the other David Platt book I have on here is called before you vote. And, uh, this is, I actually think that both of these books came out of an event that David Platt does called secret church. Oh, yeah. uh, which is which is a really cool event. Uh, I won't get into that, but it involves a lot of study on his part. And so I think that those studies ended up being books in these cases. Um, but before you vote, uh, it came out like in 2020, right in the middle of a very, very divisive election season uh, here in America. And the book looks at... Uh, things that a Christian should take into account when talking about politics 
and equally as important, things that a Christian should not take into account when talking about politics in America. And, you know, this is a really interesting, uh, you know, intersection for, for David Platt because he pastors a church in Washington, D.C. And so he is right in the heart of the political landscape in America. And like he, he has had, uh, you know, people in his church tell him that like, I do not understand how you could possibly be a Christian and vote for a Democrat. And then he will turn around and have another person say, I don't understand how you could possibly be a Christian and vote for a Republican. Yeah. And he just like, I imagine you have to just sit there and chuckle. Like, I feel like you two should talk to each right, other. Right, right, yeah. Uh, because I think a lot of people uh, get so wrapped up in there's no way that a Christian could ever vote for the other side. Sure. And, and this book did a really good job of explaining, basically, it depends on how you want to prioritize some different things. Neither of them is inherently wrong. Right. So yeah, it was good. It was a good read. Well done. Um, I got another one. I'm actually uh, about two thirds of the way through this one right now. Uh, I'm taking it slowly, but it's called Out of the Cave by Chris Hodges. Uh, really focuses on um, the whole premise of the book. Really is First Kings chapter eighteen. Elijah's up on the mountain, Mount Carmel, and all the Baal worshippers are there. They're doing their thing. It's not working. Elijah steps up to the plate, prays after the whole sacrifice is doused in 12 buckets of water. God comes down. Super, super cool. Fantastic moment. When you flip the page, first Kings chapter 19, Elijah gets a threat from Jezebel and he says, God, take my life. I'm done. I can't take this anymore. Uh, and so he talks about how so many times in ministry, on the heels of these fantastic breakthroughs and fantastic things that happen, there's fallout that happens mentally. Uh, And he really talks about it through the lens of COVID and how he pastored through COVID and what that did to him spiritually and emotionally. Uh, And it really kind of hones in on this idea of depression. And it's a really, really good book, especially if you do struggle with it or you know someone who does I can't recommend that one enough. All right. Uh, My next one is uh, When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. Uh, This book, I'm going to get the number wrong, but I believe it uh, details there's 42 instances in the Gospels where either Jesus walked away from somebody without converting them or he let somebody walk away from him without converting them. And so... Basically, this book says, yeah, that's okay sometimes, Uh, you know, especially if there's a toxic relationship or, you know, whatever, like it's okay to walk away and and kind of release that relationship, uh, release that whatever uh, in your life. There's, there's, and he kind of gets in a little bit of like, you know, the mental health side of, of some of those uh, relationships and different things. But uh, yeah, when to walk away. That was a good one. I only got a few more here. I think I got two more. I think I have two as well. Okay. Uh, this one is called Lead by Paul David Tripp. I actually took our staff through this the last uh, few months, and we just kind of took it chapter by chapter. And it really just talks about 12 different principles that as uh, as a church staff that you need to be able to dive into. And each chapter kind of has its own tone, its own ideas, uh, and I really can't get a lot into it because every chapter is so unique and so uh, diverse. But basically, each yeah, it it just it really kind of looks at your leadership and goes what what needs some help, what's doing really really well, and how can you better yourself. So very practical and uh, a good book if you're looking to go through it with uh, a group of people. Sweet. Um, next one on my list is called A War of Loves by David Bennett. Um, one of the one, this actually I think was the one that got, uh, loaned out to a third party. Uh, but it is back on my shelf. Uh, a war of loves by David Bennett. It's an autobiography. So it's David's story of being gay, meeting Jesus, and then wrestling with those two identities. 
and and just kind of his story of trying to figure out how that all goes together um and you know to not to spoil it all but the place that he lands and and I I loved reading through it because I loved just kind of watching his mind process everything and and diving into scriptures and different things and, and the place that he landed was you know he doesn't lead with this but on the topic he will refer to himself as a gay celibate Christian like hey this is this is basically this is the the sin that I struggle with uh you know it's it's kind of how I'm wired but I understand how God made me and and how God designed things to go and, and my relationship with God is more important than my longing to have a family and and that was something especially that family piece that he wrestled with for a long time uh, but ultimately that submission uh, was was what won out in the end which was cool to see man I think you I think we've talked about that one a few times I think uh, we have as well which is cool um, for sure all right last one as I said for me this is a repeat author John Mark Comer again uh, really interesting writing style but I really really like it uh, it's called God has a name and it basically talks about all the different names that God gives himself. Um, you know, I'm not just talking about like God, the father and Jesus, but I'm talking about like El Shaddai, you know, Jehovah, uh, Jehovah Shalom, all these different names that come up, Adonai. And it just really talks about the different characteristics of who God is based upon the names that he goes by. Uh, and it's, just, it's really, really fascinating because it's one of those things you don't realize how many names there are until you start reading this book and just how much depth there is to it. So Mm -hmm. really interesting. All right. My last one, this is going to be the weirdest one on my side of the list for sure. Um, It's called the art of gathering by Priya Parker. And it is how to host a dinner party, Uh, which is (laughs) essentially, which is not uh, necessarily what you would expect to, uh, to see on a, on a list like this here. But um, I, loved reading this book because it it really did dive into some of the hows and and almost the science behind, uh, you know, hosting people because as a youth pastor, like I host a bunch of kids every week, you know, we, we hold this service and they're voluntarily coming to this place. Uh, and, and what we are putting together, like, you know, it's not a show, but, but we are hosting, uh, this, this service. And so, uh, it was actually really, really, and it goes into more than just dinner parties, right? It's it, the, the quantity scales up to larger, much larger groups, but it was just really insightful, uh, from a youth ministry perspective. And then it was also insightful from a, just a human perspective. Like, you know, if, if my wife and I host Derek and his wife, uh, for, for dinner, and then we're going to play some board games, uh, you know, one of the things that we should uh, do that, we should do that. Uh, one of the things this book talked about was just like, if you, if you're going to bring somebody over to your house for dinner and board games, do not like have dinner and then just kind of twiddle your thumbs and be like, what game do you guys want to play? I don't know. What game do you guys want to play? I don't know. What game do you guys want to play? Don't just throw that back and forth. Uh, instead, you're the ones that invited them over. They consented to you making the decisions for the evening at the most, like put two or three games on the table and be like, Hey, does any of these interest you? Uh, you know, don't be afraid to make decisions. And I think that goes to being a youth pastor as well. Uh, you know, whether it is the divine position God has put you in, or it's simply, these kids showed up this week. That must mean they like you be okay with making decisions and confident in the decisions you're making. It's good. It reminds me a lot of a book that, um, I want to read soon. Um, it's called the ultimate guide to throwing a garden party (laughs) by by James Trickington. Sure. Uh, and not a big seller. Nope. I've heard. Nope. Uh, I believe it's only got one copy sold, hmm. but, 
<laughs> if you're ever looking to uh, throw a garden party, it's got a lot of good insight. And uh, can it, you actually buy it? I'm looking at it on Amazon right now. Uh, yes, uh, right here. But what it is, is it's basically a journal. So ah. 150 pages of it, it's just blank. But they also have, if you're like, what in the world's going on? It's a, it's a inside joke or it's a, it's a line from the office. But if you are an office fanatic and you know exactly where we are with that, as Kyle so aptly uh, picked up right away, they also sell a version called Somehow I Manage by Michael nice. G. Scott. Uh, which That's would be perfect. which would be awesome. So, now I was in shit for your birthday, but now you know. Ah, it's, it's a bummer. Thing. Yeah. Um. Sweet. That's that's our list. And and I will before we wrap up today, I I will just kind of take a moment to reiterate what Derek said at the beginning of the episode that this whole list is awesome, but the Bible is so much infinitely more important than any book that any leadership book, uh, you know, if you are a lead pastor out there, right. And like, like Derek mentioned, one of those books he just went through with his staff, we got no problems with that. Mm -hmm. But if you never dive into scripture as a staff, then you should not be diving into, you know, one of these books together as a staff. Uh, if, if you as a youth pastor or a youth leader, if you are reading some of these books, but you never read scripture, you're doing it wrong. And so, you know, just, just to kind of reiterate, like that's where, that's where the focus needs to be first. Uh, because there's most of these books are pulling all their leadership principles from the Bible anyway. Uh, so start there. Yeah. And I think it kind of goes with what you said too, is, if you are in a bit of a rut with scripture, like mix it up, you know, like I, there have been times where I have just been in a spot where sitting down to read, my brain just starts to spin. So guess what? I'm going to, when I jump in my vehicle and I've got 15 minutes of silence in my car, I've done the Uversion audio app, you know, and it is different for sure, but that's the whole point. Uh, you know, just make some time. Scripture should not be one of those things you have to do every day because that's what you're supposed to do as a Christian. This should be something that is literally life to your soul, you know, and a cool drink of water um, when you are just really, really in a dry season. And so just kind of having that right perspective of Scripture, I think, matters a lot. And as Kyle so so well said, um, you know, it, it, can't, it can't be neglected in any season, any capacity anyway. Yep. All right. That does it for today's episode. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us. On behalf of Derek, I think I'm going to go hold a fundraiser with our youth kids to raise money so that I can buy more books for myself. Goodbye. Goodbye.